Welcome to Legendary Dads, where we wipe out myths like you can't be a successful entrepreneur and a loving present dad. We're tearing down lies about being a well-behaved dad, you know, doing what they say that you're supposed to do. We're blazing the trail to become high-performance dads, the dad who's clear where he and his family are going and why. We are laying solid foundations to become legendary dads. Welcome back, everybody. Excited to be here again. And I am really looking forward to this conversation with Shiraz, who is an award-winning author, international speaker, and reality interventionist. He coaches people to get out of what he calls reality addiction. And his book, How to Rewrite Reality, has changed lives across the globe. Shiraz helps you to annihilate your unconscious addiction to stories of struggle and lack, resulting in an abundance of free time, money, and energy. I don't know that there's anything about any of that that anybody doesn't want. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Shiraz. Yeah, I mean, we we met a a few weeks ago and had a brief conversation and... um, (laughs) And just what we did get into uh, was just a was a great start. And so um, I had suggested that you come and sorry and talk with us a bit and share. Essentially, I just want to have a conversation with you more about all these topics of of mindset, attitude, and and so on. And we'll see where it goes. And I know that everything that we're going to talk about is going to be beneficial um, just because of the nature of the topic. So welcome and thanks for being here today. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So tell me briefly, just to kind of give us some uh, context where you're coming from. Now, mm-hmm. I'm focused on on fatherhood and the related everything related to that, which includes our relationship with our spouse and our kids and work, all that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of it revolves around mindset. What kind of got you to this place? Because it's not like my story where, you know, fatherhood triggered a lot of the questions that I needed to be answered. Uh, for you, this is going to be a very different journey because you don't have kids. So uh, briefly, what got you, what got you to where you're at now? For me, the journey started when I was 22 years old. I was in university studying to be a doctor. I was a bodybuilder and everything was going great for me. The world was my oyster except the world didn't give me pearls. It gave me arthritis. Hmm. Within months, I was in intense pain in every single joint in my body. And there were nights where I would sip my dinner through a straw because my jaw was so swollen and painful. I couldn't move it and open it enough to eat. Yeah. And this continued with my body deteriorating. I started to lose cartilage between the joints. So um, there'd be days where I'd be walking and I could feel the ankle and shin bones grinding because the cartilage wasn't there anymore. And that made for a a painful, very physically painful life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you may not have been through that kind of physical pain, but have you had that situation where you've got your life plan set out and then out of nowhere, bam, it's gone. (laughs) And you had your life scrambling and trying to figure out what to do next. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the space I was in. So going through all those emotions, the, the anger and frustration at first when I realized what was going to happen, but then the despair as it all set in and how bad it was going to be. 
then this the self-judgment the self-pity trying to figure out what am i supposed to do with my life what did i do to deserve this and i i got to a place where i could start to work through it and try to get out of it and i tried you know medication like you normally do and the childproof caps for arthritic medicine are just evil. I just want to let you know that that's that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> You're yeah. like, what? Ah, I can't. Oh, uh, but I tried supplements. I tried diets. I tried acupuncture at some point. I yoga. Someone said magnets help with their arthritis. So we, I was trying all these things. Nothing was working. And almost 20 years later, um, I met this guy that just changed my whole perception on how reality worked. So I had flown to India and because it was India, I expected him to do some sort of laying of hands like, okay, we're going to heal you shrubs. Right. And, and at that point I was ready for everything, but all he did was talk to me for about two weeks and he went through everything um, that was going on in my life. And he wasn't trying to solve anything. He was just getting information. It was like being with a psychiatrist only there was, there was no like, how does that make you feel? Kind of like, it, it was just this, tell me more, tell me more. And at the end of the two weeks, he said, Shiraz, you're, you feel you're responsible for everyone in your life. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and he said, I know you don't think you do, but from everything you've told me, you've created this belief that you need to be responsible for everybody. And it started when you were eight years old. So I said, okay, I know I'm a responsible guy. I don't think I'm responsible for everyone. That's crazy. But what's that even got to do with arthritis? And he said, oh, you don't want to be responsible for everyone. Said, yeah. He said, and if you're lying in bed in pain, you don't have to be responsible for anyone. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. If people can see you're struggling just to get through the day, they're not going to ask you to take care of them. It's the solution for a problem you don't realize you have. So I said, that's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a common reaction. Yeah. Yeah. But he said, that's what most chronic illnesses are. Solutions to problems people don't realize they have. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, if what you're saying is true, then all I have to do is say, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone but me. And the arthritis should just go away. And he looked at me and he said, yes, if you actually believe it deep down that you don't need to be responsible for anyone, then you don't need the arthritis. So I said, okay, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone but me. And when I woke up the next morning, there was no pain. There was no inflammation. I had more mobility and I could, I could even breathe, but I could take in more oxygen. So I'm freaking out, right? Like, I'm like, <laughs> What the hell just happened? This doesn't happen overnight. This is crazy. But it had. And there was a there was a track where I was staying. And I was on that track every day. But I was doing my old man shuffle because that's what my body was like at that point, like the 70-year-old man. And I'm just trying to get around the track. And people are passing me. And I'm getting passed by 70-year-old people. It was, it was embarrassing. Yeah. This particular day, I am just rounding this track. I'm passing everyone. I'm, I'm passing people younger than me. And everyone's looking at me going, what the hell? And I'm like, I know, right? This is amazing. And here's the, the crazy thing. When I got home, no one asked me to be responsible for them, right? Because why would they? It's a belief I created when I was eight years old. Right. So I'd be living, been living in this fear of this thing all my life. 
And it was just a fear and nothing more. And I created an illness around it. And the the big takeaway here, uh, when I looked into it, was this isn't about illness. This is about everything, right? Any consistent physical problem you have in your life is the solution for an emotional problem you're not looking at. Because your mind would rather avoid emotional problems than physical circumstances. So get out of guilt, create arthritis, right? I've had people come to me about money. I'm not making enough money, but we find out that, oh, if I make a lot of money, I might feel bad because there's all these people struggling and now I'm just living at large. So there's shame. Your brain's like, I don't want shame, so I'll make sure I don't make money. Right. <laughs> and, and so that's it. That's how it works. And all these these beliefs come up, and that's how we create our lives, and that's how we we um, create our, our families. This is how we educate our kids, because our priority is not growth. It's safety. Right? And you, mm-hmm. you think about how many times you tell your kids, stay safe out there. Yeah. Right? But safety doesn't lead to growth. And if you're always teaching safety, you're inherently telling them, be afraid, there's danger out there. And so they will be like... Not, not they'll. You think they'll be on the lookout for dangers. They'll be safe, but they'll actually be pulled towards danger so that they confirm that they need to be safe. <laughs> that's that's the crazy thing about how it works. Yeah, that sounds like that that idea that well, essentially it is. I guess that idea of what you focus on is is where you go. Like if you're if yeah. you're look, I tell this to my my two oldest daughters have, have recently started driving, and I said, don't look at the place that you don't don't look at the ditch that you want to avoid look at the road where you want to go don't look at the car on the side of the road that you parked that you don't want to hit look at the road next to it where you want to go so that you go yep. there but sound i mean it sounds like you're saying more or less the same principle just on a kind of a, a deeper inner application i guess yeah exactly and the big thing about this for me was the responsibility aspect because for me, responsibility is is a big thing. And now I teach people not to be responsible except for themselves, including not being responsible for the kids, which freaks out a lot of parents. But responsibility is always a heavy energy. Responsibility yeah. always feels like a burden. So I have to be responsible for my kids. I have to take care of them. I have to make sure that they do well. As much as that sounds great and noble and wonderful, that's a heavy energy. But when you shift from responsibility to choice, I don't have to take care of my kids, but I'd love for them to prosper. So I'm going to do what I can to get them there. It it could have the exact same actions, but the energy it comes from, the mindset it comes from, creates a completely different result and relationship between you and your kids. Okay. All right. Somebody, this, I mean, sounds like you're taking this a little further. Somebody shared with me recently a similar similar shift in wording that I could look at it as I'm not responsible for you or whoever you is the other person, Mm -hmm. but I might be responsible to them. In other words, I've, if I've committed to doing something then I'm responsible to, to follow through with that, but I'm not responsible for them as a person or an entity and, and their well-being or, or whatever, but you're actually going a step further and shifting it because that's something what you described a second ago is what I've I've been I've actually been working on this just in the last months last year um, particularly 
or a couple of years is it's not saying oh i gotta do the dishes i don't wash the dishes but no i get to clean up the dishes we have these dishes we have food we gotta have had a great meal i get to contribute to the family life by cleaning up yeah um, and, it, and it does it's interesting we, we tend to think oh it's just words like what does it matter what how you say it it's like well but it does doesn't it it changes your your attitude changes your energy how you feel about it it's it's really and that's a small thing <laughs> yeah. in, in effect it doesn't compare to relieving arthritis pain but it's the same principle i guess oh it is and here's the thing a small thing can make a huge impact in your life and people don't get that they're, they're looking for how do i create the big change and you you don't realize that yeah. making small changes you get accumulation and growth in those small changes that result in the big change right yeah i think i think you're you're right on that too um I, yeah i can say that i've done that underestimated the well what one of my friends says the compounding effect of of small steps mm-hmm. and, and small actions and how that grows and and becomes like a snowball as it were yeah um, of growth and change huh yeah one one of my friends i remember when he pointed out to me he said we've got all these movies about time travel where they go back and they change one little thing and it has had huge repercussions when you come back to the present yeah. But you don't think, well, if I change one little thing now, it's going to have huge repercussions when I move into the future. <laughs> so. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We, I guess, we tend to look at, yeah, we want to do some big change and we want to do it now. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. That's another thing that I've been kind of working with on myself is just this idea that um, I'm trying to. I'm impatient. I want to see significant change today because, mm-hmm. you know, I think, oh, time is finite. And, I, you know, if I take too long, I'm going to miss it, um, whatever it might be. And so I'm trying to push for big change. But I guess through the coaching and stuff that I've been doing, I've, I've kind of begun to see, actually, if I just kind of take it easy, not, not take it easy, but don't don't be intense about seeing big change. But be patient and mm-hmm. diligent in the steps that are required today. Uh, and kind of let tomorrow take care of itself, as it were. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess is tied into to some of what you're saying here, I guess. Yeah, because one of the things we're taught is you have to worry. You've got to worry about the future. You've got to worry about your kids. You've got to worry about your finances. And the irony is the emotional state of worry causes things to become worse (laughs) and so what if you didn't worry you can take all the exact same actions but don't do it from a place of worry okay here's here's a, a resistance that comes to that okay what you're what you're suggesting here if we're if we're really honest about it, it really puts the the word that comes to mind is responsibility, um, mm-hmm. which I, I suppose it, it's okay in this context. But it puts the responsibility on me, or the onus is on me 
or well if we if we draw this to its logical conclusion it's pretty much everything in my life is it's all it's up to me i'm responsible yep. for it based on how i'm choosing to think and act yep okay well that sucks but it's it's kind of a double-edged sword isn't it if we look at it's like okay oh great i can create a great future that's exciting Mm -hmm. but essentially the what we're talking about here means that i'm also it's i don't like the word fault but it's, it's kind of my fault or it's because of my choices that i have whatever is not i don't like in my life that's that's Mm -hmm. up to me as well yep so and this is the thing it sucks when you first get it but it becomes very freeing because every great thing in your life is there because of you and every crappy thing in your life is there because of you and when you accept that you realize that you're creating everything so every great thing you're going to create will be because of you And there's nothing outside of you that can stop you from creating that because it's all because of you. As long as we think, well, it's not my fault. It's because of this person or this organization or because it rained or it's external circumstances. You don't have full power. You've given control to the rest of the world. And so you can never create exactly what you want in your life. But when you decide, oh, okay, that that happened because I didn't want it to happen at some level then you can start going into self-examination. Okay, what what about it? What what about that happened because I didn't want to do it? So um, I'll give you a, an, a, an example for a very powerful example, actually. My, my, my roommate and I, we go to movies about once a month and there's a movie theater, three minute drive away from the place. But this one particular month, there was a 80s revival going on at another theater. It was about half an hour away. And... He usually drives. And we we said, let's go check out the movies. It was my idea. And and we're heading out to his car. And he goes, what are you doing? He said, you always drive. And he goes, I drive when it's two minutes. This is a half hour drive. You're going to drive. It's your idea. It's your car. <laughs> so I'm like, fine, fine, I'll drive. So we get into my car. We start driving. Five minutes into the drive, my dashboard lights up with just about every light that is possible to show on my dash. <laughs> and he looks over and he's like, what is going on? I said, I don't know, but I think my car is going to explode any minute. And he's like, okay, let's, let's get back home. So we turn around, we get back, we, we make it to back to the house. We get into his car. We go to the movies. We have a great time. We come back the next day. I get my car, take it to the shop. I come back and I say thousand dollars to repair what went wrong with the car. And he looked at me and he chuckled and he goes, wow, you really didn't want to drive to that movie, didn't you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, you're right. I so did not want to drive that I was willing to do $1,000 worth of damage to my car. Like I completely own that because otherwise it's just circumstance. But because I own that, I've done things like gotten free upgrades on flights and had uh, wonderful opportunities appear and s- suddenly got magical checks. And like, it's it's all this craziness that shows up in my life because I'm creating everything. Okay. I'm glad you shared that story because I was just going to ask you um, for an extreme example. <laughs> because <laughs> when, when you say everything, I know in people's minds, going, okay, come on, not everything. There's some things that, are beyond our control like what mm-hmm. other people do uh or you know a tree falling or or the car breaking down yeah 
um, there's how do you how do you how do you can you explain or address this question because that seems I know to the vast majority this because that seems crazy like how, yep. how did you sitting in your car cause it to malfunction we affect everything around us so there's um when you get down to a quantum level uh there have been experiments done with quantum physics about is light a wave or a particle right, right. and eventually they figured out it's both but for a while they were like well is it a wave or is it a particle we can't figure this out because sometimes it behaves one way and sometimes it behaves another way and they do these things called double split experiments where they shine a light and there's a slit and another slit and the light goes through the two slits and then does a pattern on the wall. And sometimes the pattern is a wave and sometimes it's a particle. And they had this one experiment where it always showed up as a particle every single time. And then one person says, well, what if we're just missing the waves? And it's like, no, we did this experiment. There's only particles. He goes, yeah, but what if one of the slits is filtering out the waves? And there's actually waves there, but there's no part of, and, and only the particles are getting through. And they're like, okay, we should check for that. So they took a little detector that looks for waves and they put it in front of one of the slits to see if there's any waves that we're not making through the slit. As soon as they did that, the pattern on the wall changed to waves. And they realized that when they look for waves, they get waves. When they look for particles, they get particles. And as they did more experiments like this, they also realized that in these quantum uh, experiments, the results will change based on the scientist doing the experiment because of what that scientist unconsciously unconsciously is anticipating to happen. So right. they've proven that we are affecting reality itself at a quantum level, which echoes out to this macro level, the physical to create whatever we we are intending, except we're creating from an unconscious level. And our conscious mind is only 5% of our thoughts. Unconscious is 95%. So you don't necessarily make a tree fall, but you'll time your driving unconsciously so that that tree has fallen and it's going to delay your trip. <laughs> you'll, right. you'll do all these things, these actions, and and actually have real-world consequences like physical things. Like when I do group workshops... Uh, when I start to talk to people about something they don't want to talk about, the Zoom connection will start to falter. It will only be theirs. And it was fine until I started talking about it. When we get into this touchy subject matter, and all of a sudden they're like, I can't hear you. You're breaking up. You just froze. And the people that come to my workshops regularly, they just chuckle because they know exactly what's going on because it's happened to every one of them at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can affect the connection through Zoom, and I've seen this on, uh, like, at hundreds of times now over the years I've been working, that if you can affect that electronic connection through Zoom, you can affect the electronics in your car. You can affect other things in your life. We're all doing this. Okay. Uh, I This is not, for me, this is not news. I actually like, I love, <laughs> I've <laughs> kind of explored a little bit into quantum physics and I'm familiar with the experiments you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that explanation. Um, so, I want to I want to kind of let that sit because mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of people that's a that's a big that's a big one that's a huge mm -hmm. mind shift and it's it seems unreal and so on and I'm not I, I don't at all want to take away from from that because I what you're saying is true like the science experiments are real they this is all this is all real but I'd like to come back to 
kind of let's get back into the day to day where we're we're walking through kind of the other part of life. <laughs> yeah. So um, bringing it back, uh, I'll give you an example. There's one thing I hear from a lot of parents is you have to make sacrifices for your kids. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's very common. I, and there's there's a mindset com- component to there. And a, sl- a subtle shift can change everything for how that works. Because here's the thing. If you have to make sacrifices for your kids, there's a couple components. Number one is that there's no other choice, which means you have to create situations in which sacrifice is necessary because you have to make sacrifices for your kids. The other thing is I see a lot of parents having conversations with me and other parents about what they had to sacrifice. And there's this feeling of pride that comes up. I had to give this up for my kids. Look how wonderful a parent I am. So you will actually look for ways to sacrifice to get your fix of pride of being a good parent when you're in that story of you have to sacrifice for your kids. Okay, I can see that. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of examples to to solidify that. It I get the logic of what you're saying. Um I've I've had uh, you know several friends and and different clients. Well, you know, I can't go after the things I want really now at all anymore because I need to worry about my kids. I need to focus on their education, their yeah. their possibilities. So I've got to sacrifice my life's ambitions. But it could be something smaller, like, well, I just can't go to those meetings anymore with my friends because I got to take care of the kids. I got to make that sacrifice. Right. Right. So a a, con- a specific example for me, I guess, is um, this idea of entertaining our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of keeping them busy and and active with things um like when i was a kid i was bored and but i was never bored for long mom would say get out of the house we lived on a farm which doesn't matter, matter much but um for this point but it's like just get outside get out of my hair you're you're whining and complaining go play mm-hmm. and so we just had to go out and We'd go out and we'd wander around and kick the grass and go, oh, I'm bored. What uh, what are we going to do? Yeah, and then you'd see something and you'd start playing with it and doing it. And and I had siblings, so, you know, we would start doing stuff together because you don't really want to be bored. So (laughs) so you you just find something to do because you're out there. You got to do something. And then you start having fun. Next thing you know, she's trying to drag you away from your fun to come in and have dinner. Yeah. Um, So as a as a parent, you know, my wife and I have struggled with this idea that we need to keep our kids entertained because don't they whine and complain and that bugs us. We don't want to hear the whining. So we come up with ways to entertain them. And it's (laughs) weird that I do this because that's not the way I was raised. Um, But so, so that's a, that's a pretty, to me, that's a clearer example of, I am, I'm occupying my time coming up with ways for my kids to be busy and entertained with whatever it might be. Uh, when I know from my own experience, if I just let them be bored and tell them just go somewhere else and be bored and don't bug me, <laughs> then they will actually find ways to entertain themselves. And and I I guess what I love about that additionally is that it, it stimulates their creativity and gets them moving. So yeah, I'm making my life more difficult when I don't have to, because I'm believing this idea that I have to do this. Yeah. 
And that's it. You believe you have to do that. You're responsible for their entertainment. And part of you, when you see that they're entertained, it goes into a, a, this feeling and it's, it may not be conscious, but it's definitely going to be their subconscious. Look how happy I've made my kids. This is because of me. Now, yeah. consciously, it could just be a frustration. It's like, oh, I got to do this again. And they they never seem to entertain themselves without me. I got to do it again. But unconsciously, it's like, wow, look at me making my kids happy. I'm such a good parent. Yeah. And it, and it can be hard to see. But I think if I, you know, as I think about various occasions uh, as a dad, I there's times where I think in the back of my mind or my subconscious, there is that sense that. Oh, good. I'm I'm being a good parent. Um, my kids are are doing these activities, and they're not sitting around bored and whining. It, I'm not usually aware of that, as, as you're suggesting. But I think, yeah, if I put a little thought into that, I can, I can, I can see that that's there. Yeah. Well, and this this is it when you when you shift the mindset, and it's things like I don't need to sacrifice my kids. I'm willing to but I don't need to, then different possibilities start showing up. Situations where no sacrifice is necessary and everyone's happy and everyone gains are now possible because you don't need to sacrifice for your kids. Yeah. And now where you described for us, um, you know, in your, your, your core story there of going to India, Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say it was a, well, it was pretty fast. Even though you spent two weeks talking and then there was a dramatic, overnight shift in your experience yeah i mean it was still two weeks but even that can be pretty quick for for us to experience change mm-hmm. um do you find that in your life uh, as an example some things take longer than others um, or do you find you're now at a point where you make changes pretty darn quick most of the time it's it's a mixture so one thing i've learned is you have to be willing to go through the journey. and But most people want the miracles. Right. But if all you're looking for is the miracles, you don't get either. If you're willing to go through the journey, you get miracles along the way. Okay. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's what I look for. And I get, I get miracles all the time, but then there's an overall journey I'm going through. Right. Uh, so how do we... Do you have suggestions or ideas on how do we shift how do we begin this shift because as i said before for most of us i mean never mind you know sort of breaking down our own car but mm-hmm. even just sort of the mind shifts like things that i'm just we're talking about in terms of responsibility for our kids yeah where do we start to to begin to make those changes in our thinking because this is i mean i'm 55 i've got some 55 year old thought habits mm-hmm. um, they've been going a long time and the story in my head is <laughs> 55 years of habits going to take a while to undo. <laughs> so, uh, but where, where do you suggest people start that journey of shifting mindset here? So number one, start becoming aware of what you're saying, because your stories usually come out of your mouth and you don't realize it. And, and listen to what other people are saying. You're going to hear their stories. So, if whenever you say things like, oh, this always happens, that's a story. It doesn't always have to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But you've decided it's always happens. If you say things like, I've got to sacrifice for my kids, that's a, a story you're creating, you're actively creating in your life. And when you start to hear yourself saying different things, like 
things always go so well for me and my kids and I get along great all the time, then those start to become the predominant stories in your life. Now, right. it's it's hard if it's not if it's the opposite to start saying that and go that way, like people do affirmations. If the affirmations are on the opposite side, the story's not going to change. It's too much of a jump. But if you can start doing expressions and words that shift slowly, your brain will take that in and start making those adjustments. So number one is that awareness. What am I saying? Uh, what am I doing? What am I complaining about? Those are all stories you're actively creating, even if you don't like them, because you keep right. saying them over and over and over again. That's the okay. indicator. Um, the other thing is any consistent physical problem, like I said, is the solution for an emotional problem you're not seeing. And when you start to, when you get that and say, what's the, the stuff that's happening over and over that I don't like, you want to start asking not why does this keep happening to me, but why do I want this to happen? What am I worried about will happen if this stops? Because sometimes that's something on the other side of it that you're like, oh no. Right. So for me right. with the arthritis, if the arthritis were to go away, suddenly I have to be responsible for everyone. And I know I can't. So there's all this guilt. So that was what was going on under the surface. So when you say um, any persistent physical issue, you're not just talking about our bodies. You're talking about sort of in the physical realm of circumstances um, yeah. and, and whatever yeah. else. Your finances, your relationships, um, just um, hardships you've got to go through. All of that, if it's consistent, it's a solution. It's not a problem. Looked at the right way, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we start with the awareness of, of thoughts um, and stories and, and then looking at any persistent circumstances mm -hmm. uh, and, and then beginning to shift how we look at that, explore that basically to see what's the, what it's the solution to. Yes. Okay. So the the next part is where it's it's part of the journey and you have to be willing to do the work is in order to change your circumstances, rewire the neurons in your brain, you have to be able to hold a thought for at least 30 seconds on something. That's how long it takes for the rewiring to, process to start. And most people can hold a thought for less than seven seconds. Hmm. Right. So I actually do mental exercises. I have a, a downloadable that people listen to that teaches you how to hold a thought. And the, the interesting thing is there's I have different ones that are different lengths. And the shortest one is two minutes because you don't require an hour to learn how to think for more than 30 seconds. You can do that in two minutes. Right? So right. doing this doesn't have to take a lot of time out of your day, but you have to do it daily because it's like going to the gym. You, you can't expect to build a, a, a bodybuilder's body if you're going to the gym once a month and, and but saying, I'm going all day once a month. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> but if you're doing consistent work every day, you're going to start to see changes and then you can build on those changes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that makes sense when you when you look at it that way, for mm -hmm. sure. Building the habit. And, and again, I guess that comes back to the small steps that compound and, and build over time. Yeah, cool. So I've been doing these exercises since 2006. And one thing people have commented multiple times is, Shiraz, you're always so calm. And in the midst of chaos, you're still calm. Nothing seems to phase you. And it's because the byproduct of doing these exercises is you stay present, you stay calm and focused. So all this crap can go on around me. And I'm like, huh, okay, so this is happening. Not, oh my God, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. And 
the and so that's the byproduct like if nothing else you get that out of doing the the mental exercises but by doing the mental exercises i'm like i've created stories of things like everything just works out and one was if any big financial problem shows up in my life a bigger solution always shows up to fix it so i always end up with more if suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I've got a 3000 bill I didn't expect, then something like a $5,000 opportunity shows up. So it's not like I look for the bad things to come up, but if they do, I'm like, oh, I wonder how this is going to resolve itself. I don't have to go into a panic anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and the same thing with my relationships. My relationships are always getting deeper and more heartfelt. And I say, I love you to more people in my life than I ever had. Mm. Wow. That's cool. That's an interesting just as you were sharing the last couple of points there, it took me back to, um, uh, as as the listeners who've been following would know, um, we, my family and I were in a collision six years ago, just over six years ago. And one of the things that uh, my wife said very early on was like, this is huge. I mean, all six of us were in the truck and we were hit head on. It was, mm-hmm. It's been huge. And she's, but she said early on, this is really huge. If, um, and I forget exactly how she worded it, but it's essentially saying what you were describing. That if this is such a big problem, then uh, coming from our faith perspective, she said, God's got something really big on the other side of this. Hmm. A, a tragedy this big means yeah. some kind of huge uh, wonder or benefit um, or something, blessing coming out of this down the road. So uh, that kind of attitude was was with us in the beginning. Um that are looking for the the good uh and the what can come out of this as opposed to oh this is it we're done this is going to be awful <laughs> yeah and and that's it she's she's got it too because it's not um i got to find some way to get good out of this it's this expectation if this is this huge there's going to be there's this almost the surety to it if it's this big there's going to be something amazing at the end of it yeah yeah, for sure. Wow. Awesome. Well, I've really enjoyed this as I as expected. Uh, and I really appreciate hearing more in depth. I'm so glad that we actually did this. Um, it was kind of a crazy moment a few weeks ago when we were, <laughs> we were thrown together in a, in a breakout room. But uh, I'm really, really glad that we had this conversation and, uh, and all the great thoughts that uh, have come through this. Um, as we wrap up, um, I do want to give you a chance to uh, share a little bit more, and I want people to be able to um, to take advantage of what you have to offer, uh, which is part of what I want to do through this podcast, is bringing more resources to people. Um, and uh, I think you have some great resources to share. So I want to get to that. Um, just before we do, we're going to shift a little and go into, it's become a, a, a regular thing now with us we'll, we'll do some rapid questions here just quick answers and uh silly not silly necessarily but uh random questions that have nothing to do with anything except my curious mind <laughs> okay start off with an easy one what's your favorite meal my favorite meal mashed potatoes or do you mean the full meal if mashed potatoes is the favorite thing then that's what it is <laughs> that, that's, that's what came up i could have mashed potatoes with any meal and i love it <laughs> so. who is somebody that you have not met yet that you would really like to meet 
I have not met that I would love to meet. Does he, does he have to be alive? Uh, well, I guess it depends how you think you'll meet them. But <laughs> um, Actually, you know, what popped into my head was Keanu Reeves. Okay. Yeah. I think I wouldn't mind meeting him also. Everyone says how amazing a person he is and how laid back and caring he is. And I'd love to, I'd love to meet him in person. I've heard that too. I haven't heard anything really bad about him. Can you tell us why Iceland is green and Greenland is covered in ice? Oh, absolutely. Because it was a whole marketing thing. They wanted people to get to Greenland. And so they called it Greenland <laughs> just to make sure people would go there. All right. That's the best answer I've heard yet. That's what I heard. I learned in history class in high, in high school. That was it. <laughs> that, that was a real thing. Eh? Yeah. That was All it. right. I had not heard that yet. When was your first kiss? Ooh, first kiss was high school. Probably, if I remember right, I was 17. And can you name seven wonders of the world? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I can That's name okay. some of them. Hanging Gardens, Great Wall, Niagara Falls, uh, Parthenon. Uh, Mount Rushmore, and I'm stuck there. That's more than anyone else has answered, and more than I knew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Oh, um, Pyramid, Pyramid of Giza. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So you, um, again, as I said, I wanted to kind of let you share uh, some resources, and, of course, we'll put the links in the show notes uh, for people to follow up um, in terms of reaching you, Um so I just want to give you a minute to share what it is that you would like to uh, people to uh, how they'd like them to connect with you. Um, sure. So, on. so uh, we're going to drop the uh, the meditations that I, I mentioned, the audios, which you can listen to. It's, they're two minutes, five minutes and 12 minutes. And the cool thing is you can sit down and just do it like a meditation, but you can also do it while you're out for a walk. Or while you're doing the dishes, it doesn't have to interfere with your life because it's all about focusing and holding a thought. So we're going to drop those in and we'll drop a link to go to Amazon to get how to rewrite reality if you want to buy the book. Awesome. Well, again, really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to uh, connecting with you again in the future. And I really want to encourage great. everybody to take advantage of these uh, offerings that, that Shiraz is giving Um I have been learning about this myself and recognize a lot of the power of what we're thinking and how we're thinking and the stories we're telling ourselves. And for my wife and I both, it's been part of our healing journey to recognize these stories and, and the impact they have. Uh, so I can attest to that from my own experience and learnings. And again, everybody, just thanks again for sharing this. And if you know anybody who could benefit and would enjoy this conversation, please share the podcast with them and if you haven't yet please give us a like and review and subscribe so that, that will help uh, our presence on the podcast platforms and more people can hear about what we're doing here and benefit from all these offerings that uh, our guests are sharing so thank you all again very much and i uh, look forward to talking to you again soon bye for now all right we've taken another step towards that legendary dad status today and I'm excited and honored to be part of this journey with you. Now, if you go to kevinwillspeak.com, you can book time to speak with me directly about any questions or comments you have. 
or you can connect with me on social media or post in the comments below. Guys, I'm convinced that we all have what it takes, and if we work together, we can all become legendary dads.